0: Just a heads up, before we get going, Jose, my co-host for this episode, and I have both been traveling out of the country a lot and couldn't find time to get together to finish recording our voiceovers. I'm currently editing from the airport, so if you hear some discrepancies in tone, that's probably the reason why. Okay, on with the episode. From New Studio One Ten at the Reynolds School of Journalism, this is
1: Niche, a podcast about unique interests. I'm Joey Lovato, and co-hosting this week I'm Jose Olivares.
0: So, Jose, we're, uh, we've been t- we've taken some classes together, and we've uh, done a lot of journalism projects together. Yes, we have. And uh, so this week you're co-hosting with me, and we're going to talk about letter pressing.
1: Absolutely, I'm very excited. Yeah. Um. Do you do you know anything about letter pressing? I know very little about letter pressing. Um. I only know what we learn in our history books about just kind of printing in general. Um, the printing press obviously was huge, but that's about, about like the extent of my knowledge that I have on letter pressing, on printing that sort of stuff. So I'm very excited. I mean, my mom letter presses, and so I, I know, I know, I think I know a decent a bit about it.
0: Have you even like? Do you even really understand like what it is? Or no, not
1: really. I mean, I know. I mean, no, it's obviously for printing. Um, yeah, that's that's really the extent of my knowledge. What do you think about it? What, what do you
0: uh I really like it. I think it's really cool. It's like art i think it's it's much more artsy than um other things i i it's it's more artistic than I was expecting it to be okay I was expecting it to be more like you just like put letters on a page and then it just makes a book it' it's like a it's, it's literally a ton the press um mm-hmm. and it's just like this crazy big piece of machinery in it and it it's weird that this giant thing makes such a small flimsy piece of paper nice
1: that's pretty cool though i mean i mean i i really it's kind of strange to me that it's still around i mean with technology we have, you know, and just the printers that we have, you know, I mean, in, in InDesign and Adobe Illustrator and all, all these, you know, programs, it still kind of blows my mind that it's still used, I guess.
2: Uh, my name is Amy Thompson, and I am administrative faculty here at UNR and the manager of the BlackRock Press.
3: Um, I'm Amaris Martin. I'm a pre-nursing student, and I am a student worker at the Black Rock Press.
1: So uh, t- tell us a little bit like where we are right now. Uh, describe the place and describe what goes on here.
2: Okay, we are in the Blackrock Press, and um, this is, we're part of the art department, even though we're a little bit separate from the Church Fine Arts Building, and this is the art department's uh, sort of letterpress and book arts studio, and we, it's also the home of the developing emerg- emerging graphic arts program that we're working on here. So we're also kind of in a, a bit of a working museum of sorts. We have equipment that spans the centuries. We have presses from 1837 and presses from 1950, so we have kind of a whole range of equipment here.
0: BlackRock Press was founded in 1965 by Kenneth J. Carpenter as a place to teach the art of printing. In 1980, Bob Blessy expanded the press and over 30 years turned it into what it has become today. BlackRock Press has been awarded for its national publication of books by authors like Hayden Carruth, Robert Pinsky, and Billy Collins. I really love
2: problem solving and Letterpress is to me sort of the The perfect blend of art and design and it it creates a lot of problems for you that become really satisfying really gratifying to solve it could involve a lot of measuring perhaps or figuring out what the best image making technique is to suit your project but all of that kind of goes into um, sort of the vision of the final project and it becomes this sort of how many ways can you solve the problem and and if there are many ways then what's the best one one of the funnest things about it is like the puzzle of trying to get everything lined up as great as possible and like the search for those missing letters or the ones that are wrong or chipped or whatever because that can drive you nuts sometimes so this press like i said was built in 1837 and it's a super royal colombian and then we have a couple of other hand presses there's one out in the hall there's this little washington hand press here and then our next press that we have is our little Chandler and Price are CNP, it's an 8x12. I would say I could print on a press like this maybe, if I was really cranking, I could maybe do a 100 in I don't know, 20 minutes. And then we have these two Vandercook Universal 1s, which belong to the studio. We also have a Vandercook 4.
0: The person that inspired me to do this episode was my mom. There may be a little nepotism here, but hey, it's my podcast, I'm allowed to do that, right? My mom has been letterpressing since I was a baby, and it was a big part of my life when I was a little kid. Recently, she found a studio space and started doing some letterpressing again on the side. That is when she's not busy being a librarian.
3: Hi. How's it going? Good.
0: What's, what's your name? Tell, tell me about <laughs> yourself, Mom. <laughs>
3: <laughs> my name is Penny. Penny what? My name is Penny Lovato. I'm Joey's mom.
0: And uh, why am I talking to you today?
3: Because I think you want to learn about letterpress. press.
0: Yeah, And no. you
3: actually are the reason I got into letterpress.
0: Okay, see, I already didn't know this, so <laughs> <laughs> this is a great way to start. So, yeah, what got you into letterpress? Why am I the reason? Okay. I didn't realize
3: this. So, um, when you were born, I wanted to do some real classy birth announcements, and I went out looking for letterpress announcements, and they were extremely expensive, so I bought a letterpress. <laughs>
0: Was buying a letterpress cheaper than buying (laughs) birth announcements?
3: (laughs) I know, it makes no sense. But I was also looking for a way to not have to go back to work and to do a home business. So it was kind of a, it was a good fit. I ended up not doing your birth announcements and letterpress because I didn't have my equipment yet. But um, I ended up um, finding another woman who was also, uh, I had worked with her. She was having a baby at the same time. And so we... Ended up buying this equipment together and just teaching ourselves how to letterpress.
0: <laughs> so you each bought a, your own letterpress?
3: No, no. We bought one letterpress. We shared it.
0: Okay. And, and is that the one that's in here now?
3: Yeah. Where? That's the one I have. Oh,
0: so okay. That's the one right here.
3: Yeah. This is a Chandler in price. I believe it's like eight by 10. Okay. That's the, the largest size it can print.
0: And how old is this thing?
3: I believe it's turn of the century. Oh, okay. So. Yeah that's what I've been told it's pretty old and the neatest thing about letterpress is you can come down here to the shop you don't have anything in mind what you're going to do and you just start playing around with the fonts and the the cuts and the ink and the paper and within 20-25 minutes you can have some beautiful product
0: so um What'd you think of uh, what do you think of Blackrock?
1: I thought it was awesome I, I, I really uh, really enjoyed it and I, I mean how, how you you know we were talking about it earlier I think uh, the artistry is uh, something I really learned um, visiting Blackrock you know I mean the the artistry that it takes to produce one of those pieces you know to, to print something is really really awesome and I guess just the whole process of it um, it's a lot more complicated than I thought it was going to be going into it.
0: Yeah, there's, still, like, a lot of moving parts, and I didn't realize, like, there were all those different kinds of presses. There was, they had, what, like, three different styles, I think?
1: Yeah, something, yeah, yeah.
0: And they were all, like, so, you'd, like, just completely different ways of doing it. Right. I thought they were really cool. What was your, do you have a favorite press?
1: Um, I really like the, I mean, I really like the one from the 1800s, the big, giant one with the golden kind of decorations, um, I, I guess it was my favorite because it's, I mean, I guess the look of it is really cool. But uh, I really enjoyed the other one with the pedal. I, I don't know what the name of it is. Oh, yeah. the uh, I think it was the Chandler and Price one. Chandler and Price one. Yeah, that one was really cool. Um, I'm kind of surprised that there haven't been more accidents, though. It, it, it's just, I mean, it's such heavy and large machinery, and it's very intimidating, you know. Um, I was expecting blood or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't
0: know. Yeah, no, you look at them, and you're like, this could take my hand off in an instant.
1: Yeah, it's- Exactly. It, but i think the what you were mentioning the art was really like really cool art the type art and everything absolutely yeah the designs and everything was really cool i, I don't know if i could ever do it i'm i'm really terrible with fonts and stuff just on the computer um so i don't know if like a letter you know letter pressing would be a thing i would be able to do um, would, would
0: you want to try it like is it something that like seems interesting to you
1: yeah absolutely i would definitely try it I, I don't know if i'd be any good at it but i would i would like to try it you know i think it would be awesome um but h- how does it kind of differ from the you know, the machinery that your mom has and, and the um, pressing that your mom does. So
0: the foot pedal one, the Chandler and Price one that they showed us, that's actually very, very similar to my mom's. My mom basically mm. just has the bigger version of that and it has a motor. Um, and then there were the hand presses from the be- the first couple presses we looked at. And those are, I've never seen those before. Those are really cool. Um, those are from the 1800s. And that was just, that just like blew my mind. I'm like, wow, this is like how newspapers used to be made. It was nice. like through this. Like, this is the only way that people got information was because of these things, like and mm-hmm. I think they're kind of thrown by the wayside now. I don't think people think about them as, like, important anymore. I think it's an important part of our history.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still, I mean, the artistry of it I, I mean, is really appealing, I think. And I don't know if that's what's mostly keeping it going. I mean, because, you know, like I was saying earlier, with all the technology and everything, I really, there's not necessarily a need for it. But I think the artistry of it is really what's kind of keeping it moving forward, which is, which I love. I absolutely love that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it, it, it was intimidating. I thought it was going to, I don't know, it was going to eat me or something. I don't <laughs> know, it was, it was, you know. But it, it was really cool. It was really cool to see all that.
0: Yeah. After learning about why people letterpress for personal and artistic reasons, we went to the business side of things and talked to Kurt Hoag of Renotype, a print company that uses industrial-sized printers as well as letterpresses.
4: Well, Renotype started in 1979 in Elmer Henkel's garage as a typesetting shop. Um, since then, we became a, uh, an output service bureau and then a color separator and now a full-service commercial printer. Pretty much, we put images on things that people need. I mean, when people need letterpress printing, there's only one way to do it, and that's letterpress. So I guess around about 19 19- you know, between the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, as letterpress equipment started being phased out for general commercial work, um, people um, started acquiring it for the purpose of doing fine, uh, unique, old-fashioned work. It's changed over the years. As a typesetting shop um, and a color separator, once upon a time, our customers were all printers and advertising agencies. Now, as individual companies have brought many of those um, functions in-house, their people are their own advertising agencies, um, we tend to do more work with uh, uh, companies. Um, but the letterpress work when we do that is almost always an individual coming in. The first printing press was a screw printing press, and it was invented by Johannes Gutenberg
1: in the year 1440.
0: In the year 1887, the Amateur Press Association started, uh, and it's a collective of people who print and then they send out all the prints to other people in the association uh, and it's still going today there's over 100 organizations around the world and tons of people are members of this um, and it's just a way for amateur printers to kind of collaborate and look at each other's work
1: letterpress and letterpressing is the act of sort of producing this kind of work and the printing press is what you actually use to produce the art and
4: the words on the printed page Um, now, I'm not aware of any specific way to learn other than experience and having a, having a good eye and doing a lot of it, hopefully having someone who knows what they're talking about, looking over your shoulder and saying, yeah, that's not good, or you shouldn't use that in that way, change it like this, change it like that. Letterpress printing today is simply an art and a craft for people who really want something different and, and special.
0: What, why do you think it's important to preserve this? Like, what, what do you think is preventing just like, big print companies from getting rid of letterpress? Well,
3: pressing? I think there probably are print companies now um, who are bringing back letterpress printing, yeah. no doubt. Um, and with the, the whole DIY industry growing bigger and bigger, people are wanting to go back to the way uh, things used to be done. And I mean, I even hear typewriters are becoming popular again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think people want to go back to using their hands more and get away from computers. And we're all on computers all day long. And uh, this is just a way to slow down, slow down your thought process and be creative.
2: You can, if you're if you're diligent about searching eBay or or, other, or Craigslist or other sort of letterpress listservs, you can find presses that are affordable, and you can set yourself up with a garage studio for maybe just a couple thousand dollars. I have a press in my studio that I paid one hundred and fifty dollars for, and and you don't have to have type; you can print everything from plates if you wanted to. So there are ways there are ways to establish a home studio for yourself that wouldn't cost, you know of thousands of dollars
0: i asked amy to walk me through the process of printing
2: quite nicely Um, so printing would start with uh sort of deciding what you're going to print and you know there's a design stage that you would need to enter and that might might happen on the computer but it might also happen with a lot of um sketches and drawings and mock-ups um and then once you once you've chosen the text that you're going to print it would you would set metal type in a composing stick and you would you would set your type according to what, what type would be in your print. And then that type would get proofed, either in a proofing press or in the press that you're gonna be printing on. And from there, once the type is good, you have to swap out letters. Sometimes the type is old, so sometimes it's been worn out and so you might need to swap out letters. You might have letters that have been put back in the wrong place in the case, so you might have U's instead of N's or P's instead of Q's, that's where that comes from, mind your P's and Q's. Um, so once your type is all good, then you would transfer it over to the press that you're gonna edition on. You'd You'd choose your color, ink uh, uh, mix your ink color um, with the inks that we have here, according to a formula that you could follow. And then we would ink up the press and you could start printing. But before all of that, you would also need to choose your paper Figure out the paper size, cut it down to size, and then and then you might be ready to print after that. you'd p- pull some proofs and then once everything looks good on the page and you're happy with the ink the color and the opacity and the uh, arrangement of the type on the page,
3: then you could addition that print and you, you know some people ask me, you know hey, I can do this on my computer a lot faster and print it out, but you're not gonna have that quality. you're not gonna have that that beautiful touch of the paper um, the beautiful way the type uh, actually debosses into the paper. I mean, it's something that I've really come to enjoy, and it can be brought into really anything. I've
2: changed books that I already own with book binding and whatnot, and it's really fun and relaxing almost. What you make is yours. I mean, it's not, you can buy something, it's perhaps similar, but when you make it, it's something that you did and it's an accomplishment feel that the tactility of letterpress is really appealing and as we move uh, into more of a digital age people i think are really attracted to that that tactility that nature of the impression on the paper the ink on the paper and so i don't think that um, it's ever gonna
3: go by the wayside
0: would (laughs) you uh, would you encourage other people to do this
3: definitely Definitely, if they have the space. I mean, look at the equipment. It takes up a lot of space, so you need space. But I've heard of people who set this up like in their house, but um, I think it's just something that's in you. It's just a love. When you see the beauty of the type and the ink and you see everything come together and you think this was hand-placed into a printing press, a 100-year-old printing press, you're preserving sort of an art form that isn't around that much anymore so I think it's very I think it's very cool
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Niche Podcast. Jose and I had a lot of fun going around and seeing all the historical presses. If you want to see more pictures of the presses, you can check out our website, NichePod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at NichePod. This episode was produced by Jose Oliveras, David Calvert, and myself, Joey Lovato. And it was edited by me. The music in today's episode was our theme song, First Day, by Huma Huma, How It Began, by Silent Partner, and Grocery Store, by People With Bodies. Also, Amy from the BlackRock Press has a message for people in Reno before we finish today's episode.
2: There is a class coming, being offered this fall, called Letterpress: The Art of the Page. So, if anybody's interested in signing up for a whole semester of letterpress, it's a, it's Art 220, and it'll be taught with Inga Brugemann on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 to 3:45 here at the press, and it's a really great, great class to take. You get to do everything from basic typesetting and image making techniques and all the way to making photopolymer plates and making business cards for yourself so it's a pretty great class
0: you're nervous <laughs> why are you nervous
3: i don't know we, t- we talk all the time i know but it's weird when there's a
0: when there's a mic
3: when there's a mic in front of me put it there maybe. okay alright okay
0: so just go from the top
3: okay <clears> okay <throat>